name is Chris Garcia. And I'm Rhonda Salim. And, and we're, we're Latino, Latino Northern, Northern Colorado. Colorado. A reminder to join us and participate in the All of Us Research Program in support of a more equitable healthcare research. For more information on this, please listen to our last podcast or visit all of us at joinallofus.org. Today's, uh, today's guest is our longtime friend and current Colorado State Director for the All on the Line campaign, Marco Dorado. Marco, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work? Yeah, good evening, Rhonda and Chris. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on, on the podcast this evening. Uh, my name is Marco Dorado, and I am the Colorado State Director with the All on the Line campaign. And I recently started in this role, uh, focusing on the redistricting process in Colorado in 2021. Um, but as you mentioned, we're longtime friends and, and my work in Colorado goes back and actually my redistricting work in Colorado goes back to 10 years ago and the redistricting process then um, and focusing on how to maximize Latino representation in the maps in 2011. Uh, and after I did that work, I sort of um, did a myriad of work around leadership development and also advocacy around uh, immigration reform before heading to graduate school where I focused on economic development and on also and also on advocacy related to issues of housing security and housing and homelessness uh, related to the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I'm very excited to be uh, speaking with you this evening and also to be uh, in Colorado working in this capacity uh, uh, as we focus on redistricting in 2021. And we talk a lot about the Latino Leadership Institute. Marco is a former staffer there as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that is where I actually have spent the bulk of my professional career so far, um, working with the great team at the LLI. And obviously, Chris, that's how I met you, um, really supporting the efforts at the LLI of making sure that the, the pipeline of Latino leadership in the state of Colorado um, is a strong one. And it's a long list of folks. And so it, it was so great to, to be able to work there um, when I was there before going to graduate school. Awesome. And what cohort are you from? The best one? No. Because <laughs> eight is the best one. Two. You're eight, Rhonda? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't get to meet Marco as in the Latino I leadership. I had already met him. So I had already well, met him. On the second, cohort, the second cohort was the first cohort I worked at LLI the entire time they were there. Because I came in midway through the first cohort. So I will have to say, I do. I, I am sort of partial to that second cohort. <laughs> my first year. Whatever. Well, we'll go ahead and get started in the questions so you can uh, talk about the real work that you do, not what you used to do. Um, Marco, can you please tell us, you know, what is gerrymandering and what is redistricting and how does the U.S. Census play a role in all of this work? Yeah, really great question, Chris. And the way that I'm going to sort of explain it is I'm going to start talking about what is the U.S. Census, right? And so the U.S. Census takes place every 10 years. We just wrapped up uh, sort of the counting period in 2020. And really the purpose of the census is to basically count every single person in the United States. Um, and this is then intended to help decide how the federal and state governments, along with a lot of private businesses and, and other organizations, uh, allocate their resources. And so once the counting has been accomplished, right? So the stage that, we're, that, that we were in in 2020, once all that counting has been done of everyone in the United States, the U.S. Census then sort of forms the basis uh, of apportionment when, when we start to think about redistricting. The U.S. Census forms the basis of apportionment, um, which basically helps determine how many districts a state should draw, both at the congressional level and at the state level for the state legislature, uh, and how many residents 
should be in each district. And so in Colorado, we've had seven congressional districts um, since 2001, uh, when the seventh congressional district was added uh, after, after the census count. Um, and really there's expectations this go around given the, the, the population growth in Colorado that we'll be adding an eighth congressional district. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of where we are on understanding like the census. And so the next step of really understanding census redistricting and gerrymandering is, is understanding what is the redistricting process, right? And so once the census count is complete and once the US Census Bureau has basically verified that all their data is good, they send that data to the states. Uh, and that's really what kicks off the redistricting process. And so each state is responsible for redrawing their congressional and state legislative boundaries. Um, and as they're drawing their boundaries, each state has to ensure that in these districts, for both congressional and for the state legislative maps, um, that the, the districts are of equal and proportional um, population, right? Um, and so in Colorado, this is the first time that the redistricting process, sort of once the census data is handed down to the states, it's the first time that the redistricting process uh, will be done by citizen-led independent commissions. In the past mm -hmm. and across the country, the redistricting process is usually done um, by state legislatures. And that's in fact how it was done in previous decades in Colorado. Um, but in 2018, the voters in Colorado said, you know what, we want to make sure that the uh, redistricting process in Colorado is one that is driven by the people and it's for the people and out of the hands of politicians. Oh. And so this redistricting process will be the first time that um, the two different commissions, there will be one commission charged with drawing the congressional maps and another commission charged with drawing the state legislative maps it's the first time that they will be um, sort of fulfilling uh, this desire by the voters that, by the voters in Colorado that, that, that was passed uh, through amendments Y and Z in 2018. And so that's a little bit about redistricting. And so now in thinking about gerrymandering and how gerrymandering plays into all of this, really fundamentally gerrymandering, you, when you boil it down, it ends up being a form of cheating that either a political party or another group uses in order to gain power without actually winning the majority of the vote in the given district. And so what happens uh, through gerrymandering is basically that districts are drawn in a way that are not compact or contiguous, right? And that's how you end up getting, like in the news when you hear about gerrymandering, you hear about some congressional districts, for example, that look like a duck, right? Because they stretch <laughs> out in weird ways to pick a population, whether that's, um, picking a population to make it more friendly to one political party or to pack or to, um, to pack or to crack um, groups of underrepresented communities. That's really kind of what the point of gerrymandering is, effectively to cheat your way to drawing a district that gives you an unfair advantage and ultimately doesn't adequately represent or reflect the values um, of the people in, in those communities. And so ultimately kind of to tie all of this together and thinking about the US census, the redistricting process and gerrymandering is that every 10 years, the federal government has to count every single person in the US, right? So that's a requirement that the US federal government has to do. After that, every state has to redistrict. Gerrymandering is not a, required, a requirement in any of those processes, right? And so when we think about it back to the Colorado perspective, we really are positioned um, to make sure that gerrymandering doesn't happen uh, 
in our redistricting process because of amendments Y and Z. And also ensuring that racial gerrymandering doesn't happen because what, al what also occurred in amendments Y and Z is that it created unconstitutional criteria for redistricting, which is explicitly outlines racial gerrymandering as unconstitutional. Mm. And so in the past, was gerrymandering something that we saw frequently in Colorado? Was it something that like we had to be very wary about? Is it something that like really has impacted like educate, uh, sorry, um, impacted uh, elections in our communities? Yeah, you know, I, I will say for the last 10 years, Colorado has been pretty fortunate in that we haven't seen gerrymandering to the degree that we've seen it in other places in other states across the country. Um, and I think that speaks to the redistricting process that took place 10 years ago in Colorado, right? So back then, um, it was the legislature's responsibility to redistrict, but because they couldn't come to a consensus as to what maps to pass as part of their bill, the congressional maps ended up being uh, drawn by the courts and the state legislative maps ended up being redrawn by an apportionment commission that was convened after the state legislature failed to um, come to a consensus for the maps that were drawn. And so there was a lot of intentionality there to ensure that gerrymandering um, was limited. And so, like I said, we've been fortunate in Colorado that we really haven't seen the degree of gerrymandering that other states have seen. For example, I can think of Ohio, I can think of Texas, and, and, and fortunately we haven't seen that degree of gerrymandering. So the work that you're doing is through an organization called All on the Line. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization and why is it so important? Yeah, yeah. As I mentioned, I'm so excited to be joining All on the Line uh, as a state director because All on the Line is a campaign that's focused on really ensuring that this decade's redistricting process in Colorado is one that is fair, transparent, and not only prioritizes, but is also driven by uh, public participation as, outlines, as outlined in the amendments, in amendments Y and Z that created our redistricting commissions and, and, and by default, our redistricting process in Colorado. Um, and so especially as we embark on this new process, we're really focused on increasing grassroots engagement at every step of the redistricting process. Um, because really our ultimate goal is to make sure that as many Coloradans as possible can participate in the redistricting process and really making sure that communities that in the past have been excluded from having their voices heard as part of this, this process are not only included, but brought along as part of the entire, along each phase of the process. Um, and this is sort of building on some of the work that my predecessor did last year and making sure that even the people we got to apply to, to serve on the citizen-led commissions were a diverse base of, of Coloradans from all parts of the state. Now we wanna take that in 2021, now that the redistricting process has kicked off uh, and make sure that, that we're driving people to, to be at public hearings, to provide public comment, and to really make their voice heard uh, at the end of the day, because um, this is how the, the, the amendments Y and Z were sort of designed with the spirit of public participation in mind of, of, of fairness and transparency. And that's really what we're hoping to achieve in the state of Colorado. Well, and I think the average person probably doesn't pay attention to this work and it's obviously complex. And so I think a lot of people will just, you know, tend to be like, well, I'm sure someone's handling it. So I'll just let them do that. But I'm, I really appreciate that we have an organization that's doing grassroots work, really trying to get everybody to the table. Well, yeah, and as I mentioned really quickly, I, I did this work 10 years ago and I remember thinking, wow, this is such fun, redistricting 
is such a fundamental aspect of our democracy, right? In ways that really impact our lives for the next 10 years, um, because it really ends up defining who we send to, the, to Congress, who we send to the Golden Dome in Denver, right? And those are the people who need to be carrying the interests of, of, of all communities, especially those that they represent with them um, as they're making decisions that, that, that impact us day in and day out. I mean, it impacts us locally as well. And, you know, when I was working on the census uh, last year, um, it was, I just learned so much, uh, you know, as like someone who feels like they're somewhat engaged with the community, I felt like completely like blindsided by the amount of information that I learned about what the census does um, and how the census impacts things like redistricting or funding for 55 federal different programs or, you know, just all of these different areas. But I have a question for you, Marco. Um, you know, last year, your predecessor, um, you know, actually reached out to so many different folks to get on these um, citizen-led commissions. But like, it was really difficult. You know, I was really interested, but one, I, I think it was like 40 hours a week for sometimes. And like, you know, how do you, how do you work through those types of things to get a more diverse base when like folks like me got to work, you know what I mean? Like there, I wasn't able to do a 40 hour a week commitment because of the amount of work that I have to do in my regular work. Yeah, I mean, that's a really important point that you made, Chris. And I think that given the way that we've seen sort of amendments Y and Z be embraced by a broad base of communities across the state of Colorado, I think this is really one of those instances, right? Where we are sort of in, as Colorado on the leading edge of what it means to redistrict in a matter that's fair, transparent, and prioritizes the voice of the public, the voices of the public. Um, and I think what comes with that, right, is, is an understanding that there's, it's, it's almost gonna be trial and error. And I think this is one of those situations, right, where moving forward um, as community, how can we continue, one, to make our voice heard in the redistricting process, but then after the redistricting process, how can we make our voice heard to improve it? Because I think that there's always gonna be room for improvement. Um, and that really ends up being the first step. And especially as, as, as folks who come from a Latino community, um, applying to be on the commission is, is the first step. And I, and I wanna sort of uh, underscore that it's not the only step, right? That we need to take as part of the redistricting process. Well, to follow up on that question, you talked about the Latino community. You know, how does this impact the Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, Latina community? Um, you know, maybe uniquely or maybe similarly to many others? Yeah, that's another really good question, just because I think that it cannot be understated the impact that redistricting has on the Hispanic Latinx community in Colorado. I think like any other community, right, um, it behooves us to make sure that we understand the process, that we understand how we can make our voice heard, and that we actually go out there and do it to ensure that our voices are part of the process. Um, but I think fundamentally, it's this understanding that the redistricting process is an opportunity to draw districts that adequately represent and reflect the interests of Colorado's growing Latino community, right? I think uh, I grew up in, in the suburbs of Denver, the two of you being in Northern Colorado, we have community in, in, in Southern Colorado and the Valley. And I think that we all know that the Latino community in Colorado continues to grow, right? And so a fair and transparent redistricting process that helps ensure that Latinos in Colorado um, 
are adequately represented in the co in Congress and at the state legislature um, is really important because then what does that mean, right? It means that for, so in 2019, the US Census estimated that the Latino population in Colorado is 22% of the overall state's population, right? And so what that means to me is that the redistricting process needs to adequately represent that 22% of, of Latinos in the state of Colorado, um, because it'll be key to ensuring that those decision makers that we sent to DC, to Washington DC, the decision makers that we sent to, to the Capitol in Denver, um, really are grounded in those issues that are impacting our community, right? Whether it's immigration reform, whether it's job creation, whether it's the economy, whether it's access to healthcare, whether it's how we recover from COVID-19 as a community that has been so acutely impacted by COVID-19, both on a, from a health perspective and also from an economic perspective, redistricting is gonna impact all of that in such a fundamental way for the Latino community that it just behooves us uh, and again, I want to underscore, right, that it behooves us to, to be a part of this process and make our voice heard, um, because that's the way that we're going to be able to then send people and send decision makers to D.C. and to Denver um, to really ensure that our voices and, 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 and our interests are being heard. So one of the things you talked about was the census. And we know with COVID, they kind of extended how long they were doing census gathering information. So is that going to affect this process in a way that we haven't seen before? Yeah, so the redistricting process, uh, it's funny that it's not funny, but it's, it's you, you, you touch on an important point that it's something we've never seen before, but obviously the impact of COVID on the census timeline. And it just so happens that because this is the first time that we're doing redistricting with this new commission process, right? That's also something we've never seen or done before. And so where we are currently in Colorado with the redistricting process is we're sort of in a limbo and in a holding pattern, right? Because the commissions are being seated as we speak. So half of the congressional commission has been selected, half of the legislative commission has been selected. And then what's gonna happen in March, once the two commissions convene, the congressional commission con has to convene by March 15th and the state legislative commission has to convene by March 30th. What will happen then is that it's gonna initiate a 20 day written public comment period that's intended to collect information about communities of interest across the state, right? And so this is a really, really, really important opportunity in the short term for the Latino community to make their voice heard as part of the process. Um, because if the voice of our community and our, isn't represented and we just, and we don't participate as part of this process, um, the work of the commissions could potentially harm our communities, right? By either not taking into consideration the community of interest, the needs of that community of interest and why they need to be represented the way they wanna be represented. Um, and so in the short term, there's that opportunity for public input, but in the long term, the census data delay means that um, we can't meet the deadlines that are uh, set out in the constitutional amendments because data isn't expected to be uh, provided to the states until September. Well, there was a whole process of public hearings and map presentations that was supposed to take place between April and the end of the summer. And, and maps were actually supposed to be submitted to the Supreme Court by September 1st and September 15th. Um, and so in the long term, it's a little bit more of, it's a little more unclear what's going to happen, but it's definitely important to understand that in the short term, there is a lot that we can do, especially between now and mid-April. 
So you talked about that window. So how can we as Latinos get involved if we didn't put our name in, we didn't get selected? Um, how can we get involved now? Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. And so I shared with you about how in 2018, the commissions were created by Amendments Y and Z. We have the Congressional Commission and the Legislative Commission. Um, and so the way that we can um, make our voice heard, I think you touched on it first, right? The commission selection process was one of the ways by having members of our community apply to be on the commission. Which I did put and my so, name in, but I, don't, I didn't get picked. <laughs> hey, we appreciate you putting your name in, Rhonda, and I hope that Thanks. you consider putting it again in 10 years because we'll if our community isn't putting it in there, no one's going to be doing it for us, right? So I appreciate you doing that, and, and I would encourage um, as many listeners uh, of the podcast to do so in 10 years um, because it's just so critically important that that we even at least put our hat, our name in the hat to be considered. Right. And so now as those commissions are being formed, I really quickly want to touch on, on, on something that was codified in amendments Y and Z, which was that the commissions have to reflect the diversity of the state of Colorado, right? To the extent possible, the commissions need to reflect that diversity. And so what that says is that the architects of amendments Y and Z really wanted to make sure that the voice of all communities was present, whether it was on the commissioner side or whether it was uh, on the public engagement side. And so right now it's being figured out really how these commissions will reflect the diverse communities across the state. And so now to think about the next stage of public participation and ways that the Latino community can be involved, it's gonna be thinking about that public comment period that tentatively for the congressional commission is gonna start on March 15th, or is gonna start right after March 15th. And for the Legislative Commission, it's going to start right after March 30th for 20 days. And so, like I mentioned, this public comment period is going to be so important because the constitutional amendments outline that in this public comment period, commission staff will accept comments from members of the community at large, members of the public at large, that speaks to communities of interest, right? And what they're going to do once they take this public comment, once it's all been submitted and analyzed, and once the census data drops, commission staff are gonna have to develop a congressional map and a state house map and a state senate map that is derived from this public comment, that is derived from the communities of interest that made their voice heard as part of this public comment window. And that's also something that I just can't underscore the importance, right? Because one, very similar to being to applying to being on the commission, nobody's going to make our voice heard on behalf of us. And so if it's not us, who will be, right? And so that's really important to making sure that the Latino community participates in the short term in that effort in providing public comment that speaks to their community of interest. And really the community of interest sort of public comment that's submitted. And I, I would encourage both of you, Rhonda and Chris, to submit public comment on your community of interest, because really that, 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 that is simple as sort of identifying, like what is the community that you call home? What is a community of interest that you belong to? And what is the geographical boundary of that, of that community? And so um, once that public comment period opens, that's gonna be the opportunity to be able to submit that. And, and it'll be an opportunity to do so online um, and as a matter of fact, all the line, we'll be hosting a training on March 3rd, so in a week from tonight, that's going to walk folks through uh, an update on the redistricting process, give the definition of communities of interest as outlined in the state constitution, 
do some exercises to help understand how you would define your community of interest and then walk people through the process of, submit, of submitting that um, public comment on the redistricting portal. And so this is really a place where, where I would invite uh, the Latino community of Northern Colorado to, to really participate in this training. I can provide you the link to the registration. Um, also reach out to me, right? If you have any questions, I'm more than happy to, to, to sit down with members of the community and um, really help you think through what does it mean to submit this, this, this public comment um, that reflects the community of interest that, that you're a part of. Marco, I have a follow-up on that. Like, when you say members of the community of interest, um, let's say I'm documented or I have an undocumented status or um, maybe I'm in a mixed status family. Do I also have the opportunity to provide or do I have to be, a, you know, like a, a resident, a permanent resident or a citizen in order to provide this public comment as well? Yeah, that's a really good question, Chris. You know, the way that the constitutional amendment asks for public comment is very broad. It says that any member of the public can wow. submit public comment to the commission staff. And I think one more thing that I'll add to, to your question that I think is really important in understanding um, how, think, how people should think about their communities of interest, right? Is that in the constitutional amendments, part of the definition is that groups that may comprise a community of interest include racial, ethnic, and language minority groups. And this is in addition to a broader definition, but I think that's a really important point for, for folks in the Latino community to also understand um, that it's sort of baked into the, the, the amendments and now into the constitution that we want to make that, that we want to make sure that that those voices are heard and present throughout the redistricting process. When there's very few processes over history where we've you know been invited to the table right away, we've had to fight for that. So the fact that we have this in place, we definitely need to be encouraging people to participate. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good point, Rhonda. In that, so many people have fought so hard to get to this place, and now that we have it, we just need to leverage it as much as possible. One, because we have it, and two, because I often think of my future, I think of the future of, of I don't have any kids, but my nieces and nephews, right? They are the future of, of Colorado. They are the future of the Latino community. And I think about what am I doing now that is going to help set them up for, for, for a better tomorrow, for a better future, right? This is one of those once in a decade opportunities that we really need to make our voices heard. Marco, um, just one final follow-up on this for, for folks. Um, let's say solamente hablo español. Can I also provide public comment? Is there opportunity for me to if I speak a minority language? Yeah, that's we're really hoping that when the redistricting commission staff announces how exactly the mechanism will look to accept public comment, we're really advocating to ensure that public comment is accepted in languages, in more languages than just in English. Um, and so really I'll be doing everything that I can to ensure that that's part of the process. Um, because I think that you raise a really important point that nobody's voice should be um, dismissed or, or excluded because it's not necessarily in English. Yeah. Well, um, our, our next question for you has to do with the next decade, right? Like what will redistricting mean for our communities, our communities of interest, our geographic regions, um, our federal government, our local government in the next 10 years? Yeah, I think initially the first thing that comes to mind in thinking about what, what 
will redistricting mean for our communities in the next decade? First and foremost is that a successful redistricting process, uh, one that is fair, transparent, and true to the spirits of amendments Y and Z that, that prioritize public engagement and public participation, um, means that communities of interest across our state will be adequately, adequately represented in the halls of Congress and in the Golden Dome, right? Because that has far reaching and immense implications, right? For the, the future of our communities, whether you think about it in an individual level or in a collective level, right? Um, and so I think it's hard to say now, right? Like, what does it mean specifically? What is that one thing that- that, that Be specific. <laughs> our communities? But I think it really ends up meaning, how do we set up the next decade to ensure that the interests of our community are maximized, right? I spoke a little bit a little bit about the issues that are at stake at a policy level earlier, right? I think one that is pressing for the for the Latino community is immigration reform, right? And so what does a fair, transparent redistricting process that takes into consideration communities of interest and one where the Latino community is well represented mean? It potentially means immigration reform in the coming years, right? It means policies that create jobs for members of our community, policies that make economic opportunity a reality uh, for the 22% of Latinos across the state of Colorado. And so I think, again, it's, it's very hard to say specifically what it means, but in, in a broader level, I think it means how do we position communities across the state to be adequately represented and to position, be positioned to access opportunity that, that our democracy kind of um, inherently should be providing. Well, and I, it, it really makes me think of kids because I'm on the school board and you just look at the different schools and the way things are divided and especially across Colorado. When we talk about changing the funding mechanism of you know, public education, you have some areas that just have such high poverty and other areas that don't. And so then when you make this broad brush decision, it impacts those poverty areas in such an intense way that I don't think some people really understand the ramifications of some of those decisions. So all of this stuff is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, redistricting um, is, I'll come back to the point, right? It's one of those fundamental processes that impacts us in so many ways, yet so many people don't know about it, right? And so I think, again, getting to a point where as many members of our community understand what redistricting is, how it happens and the impact that it has is really, really critical um, as we look toward the next decade and, and what redistricting means for our communities. So if our listeners wanna learn more about this, is there a website that they can go to or if they do wanna get in contact with you to set up some kind of time to meet with other community members, how do they reach out to you? And then uh, what is gonna, when, when will you be sending out the link for the actual training on March 3rd? So we can make sure and share that. Perfect. Yeah. So if you want to learn a little bit more about All in the Line Colorado, I would encourage listeners to visit www.allontheline.org forward slash Colorado. Um, I would also encourage any of your listeners, if you're on Twitter, to follow us on Twitter. And our handle is at allontheline underscore co. Uh, and then my email address is dorado, D-O-R-A-D-O, at redistrictingaction.org. Um, and I'll be sending the link to the registration for our March 3rd training, and I can send it to you, Rhonda and Chris, and, and if you want to post it along with details about the podcast or on social media. <laughs> um, that training, as I mentioned, is really going to go over 
an update on redistricting, communities of interest, and how to submit public comment. And it'll take place on, on Wednesday, March 3rd at 6 p.m. via Zoom. Will this be a recorded training that you would be able to share afterwards if people aren't able to join? Yeah, so far, I don't think that we'll be able to record it this time around, but we're going to develop additional opportunities to engage folks and um, help uh, get people up to speed on the process. Um, and so we can follow up on, on additional opportunities that come up. Awesome. And like, if you have other opportunities for us to remind folks about public comment periods, I know you said one starts on March 15th and then another one on March 30th. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, they'll start yeah. right at the, the following day after the commission's convened, so March 16th and March 31st. Okay, so if, if you want to send any reminders to us to share with our listeners, like definitely do that because um, like Marco said, like this is so important. It's vital for our communities. It's vital for our communities for the next 10 years. You know, again, just what I learned about the census in participating this last time and really being part of, you know, like that leadership here in Northern Colorado, I, I was shocked how much the census impacts us. I'm, I'm probably going to be just as shocked at how redistricting <laughs> impacts right. us. And I think that our listeners, our community members are going to be just as shocked as well um, because it matters, right? And, and our opinion matters because it's just like Senadora Gonzalez says, when we're not at the table, we're usually on the menu. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're at the table and making these decisions with, you know, fellow members of our community. Agreed. And I mean, our numbers are growing, so we need to start taking those responsibilities of doing this work. We need to take on this work. Um, you know, we're representing a larger group, and as we grow, we need to be able to do this and then be able to pass the torch to the next generation that's going to continue this work. In 10 years from now, right? Right. <laughs> 10 years from now, what is, what is it going to look like? And I am very optimistic, given um, the work that you all are doing in Northern Colorado, and, and, and I think just the, the growth of our community that, that will be situated in a way that we can continue to make our voice heard. Awesome. Well, Marco, we want to thank you so much for your time, for the information, for your insight, for sharing all on the line with us. Will you share one last time that website just so our listeners have it? Yeah, of course. Uh, our website is www.allontheline.org forward slash Colorado. All right, folks, we'll get participating and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. See ya.